a Bulldog Radio podcast. The Ferris State Bulldogs have upset the nation's number two ranked team. Wide open, Taylor is going to take this one to the house. Touchdown, Bulldogs! It's the MVSP season four, episode forty-eight. You're in that big 5-0, Brandon, and we got a good show for you. It's been a little bit. Haven't posted since last week. Had a little bit of a scheduling error, but we're back. We're ready, man. We are ready. It turns out this room is starting to get booked up, so apparently there's some good things going on here over in the ISI studios. So, hey, that's a good Huge. thing. Unfortunate for us that we had to miss one of our recording sessions, but of yeah. course- I was had an eye doctor appointment, so that kind of didn't help out, but- Yeah, but you know what? We have busy lives too, like many of you, but we're glad you have tuned in this fine afternoon. Great show on deck for you. We got an interview with Yannick alexander Madur of Men's Tennis from Germany, found his way to the United States to play tennis. Talk to him about that as well as their team seasons going on. Softball, tennis, and golf off to a full swing track coming up next week as well. So spring sports will get here in a hurry full time. We'll get the whole preview for you coming up next week as we do for all of our seasons. It does kind of feel like fall now as we really had some snow this morning, but now it had some rain as well. So now it kind of feels like we're starting to get into summer now. It's getting a little warmer. It's getting a little bit more rain. So Maybe that means winter's over. Maybe, or it's just the full spring that we always experience every single year. Yeah. It's probably not going to be the end of winter anytime soon. Yeah, that's probably. There's always one more big snow going to happen. That is true. So, I mean, that's pretty much unfortunate that we might have snow again. But at this point, yeah, I mean, hopefully we can just get past it and get to 70 degrees ASAP. That'd be sick. I would love to go fishing on the lake and play some golf. Dude, me too. I would love that. I would love that. I'm going to try to go disc golfing this weekend. Get outside. Be, it was supposed bit, to, but it was supposed to be 55 degrees a, and sunny. I was supposed to have an intramural softball game last night, but the SAE team didn't show. So I got a W, but I wanted to play softball. What's the... Hmm. Hey, man. That's feel, what I'm saying. They didn't feel like embracing the weather? Yeah, but you know what we should embrace? Fair State Rundown. You should probably get to the Fair State <laughs> Probably rundown. should. Absolutely loaded one that'll be starting up Friday. Men's golf at the... Wait for it. The trifecta match, us, Grand Valley, and Davenport. That FSU, is SU GVSU and DU Trimax. That is an absolutely loaded card. That's going to be sick. That is going to be wild. Tennis will be facing off on it. Friday against Wayne State at home. And those that might not follow tennis, huge, huge matchup. Huge matchup. Two top 20 teams in the nation will be facing off. And that's going to be certainly a big match. Showdown of Gleak champions right here, most likely. Pretty much, pretty much. Softball will be in action over in Saginaw as well uh, on March 26th, as well as they'll be going to be taking on Wayne State as well uh, the following day. So they'll have a doubleheader on Saturday as well as Sunday in really the first matchups of GLIAC play. So it's going to be an absolutely loaded uh, week as well as golf will be starting the beginning of next week over in Finley, our friends, the Oilers for the Finley Spring Invite. So we'll break down all the last week matchups here in just a little bit. But without further ado, Joe, let's swing into the interview. Now joining us in studio, Fair State men's tennis player, Yannick alexander Madur. Stop by. Yannick, welcome to the show, man. Hey, thank you very much for inviting me. Yannick, thanks so much for coming on. First question for you. We kind of talked a little bit before we hit the record button, but I mean, talk a little bit about your journey from Fair or to Fair State, being born in Berlin, Germany. I mean, that whole process, just talk about it. Well, you know, it's a long story. It's a long journey. Um, I think, well, first I came from Saxony and then moved to Berlin eventually for uh, sports. Um, I went to a sports high school, which is super rare in Germany. Uh, I think there are about 15 schools that actually provide you as student athletes. Like it's not a common thing there. So I got lucky to get in one of those schools. I think about when I hit high school, I was like, all right, like, you know, where I want to go. Do I want to play professional tennis? Uh, do you want to go into education? It was kind of like a conflict for me there. And I was like, you know what? I just want to combine both. You know, screw it. So um, I was like, you know, I'm just going to look into college programs. Like there was at the time when I was look- watching tennis uh, online and there were so many college athletes coming up all of a sudden, you know, like a younger student, like younger athletes playing D1 tennis, all of a sudden they play ATP. I was like, hey, man, like, you know, if I just go pursue that way, I can get my education. I can play professional tennis and maybe I can get something out of it. So that's how I or she started there. And yeah. 
Yeah, and obviously the recruiting story, obviously for everybody, is different. Uh, I mean, especially with Coach Doran and the international outlook of the entire team. Uh, how much did that really come in outlook to you? And what really found you with all, in all these names, universities? Ferris was the one that you wanted to see first. Uh, Ferris, is, I, I mean, Ferris has been on top of the list uh, from the beginning on, really, uh, when I talked to him. Um, solely because, you know, it's similar weather, you know, similar surroundings, similar environment, super, super nice people. Uh, what was key for me is a lot of international students. So it's not like I'm feeling alone with all these Americans. We had Indian, we had French players. We had a Spanish guy on the team. Uh, Josh was coming in too. That same year, he was from New Zealand. He came from Kansas City. So it was pretty sweet. So I didn't feel like oh, I'm alone. I'm stuck here. I don't, you know, I don't know if I'm going to adjust for it. Um, super friendly environment. Um, you know, like the player already texted me like, hey, how are you doing? You know, they already checked them before I actually came to the school, which was super neat because I felt like that connection already. So, Yeah. That's cool, man. Yeah, that's cool to be able to see how you guys connected so early. But especially, what's been the biggest difference between like the sporting culture between Germany and Europe compared to, I mean, American culture? I mean, you've seen kind of how seriously uh, people take college athletics here. Is there kind of any difference over there? Or kind of what's absolutely, kind of like? yeah, absolutely. I mean, for example, if I would have gone to university or just in general, like just a school, like mm -hmm. sports mean nothing there, really. I mean, wow, really. If you if you're an athlete, hey, it's great for you. But hey, education is here you know, the number one thing, it's not about sports as much as here in America. And I think that's really great. And I enjoy why I'm here. Cause you know, like just coming here and like all these guys like, Hey, you're a student athlete. Hey, that's great, man. Like, you know, if you ever need help, just, just let us know, you know, it's just it feel more welcome here. You know, it's just more opportunities for me here than maybe back home. That's interesting. So it feels kind of more like sports as a club, not necessarily like an actual occupation then. Yeah. It feels more like, you know, they see it more as a, as a, you know, as a job back home, but here it's more like, it's a community thing. You know, it's like, we are all in this together. You know, we want to support each other. And I think, oh, okay. Yeah. That's really what cool. Was, what was your like first college football game that you went to? Like, was that kind of like a big culture shock to Ooh. see? Oh yeah. hundred percent. Uh, actually I enjoyed it a lot. I mean, I was, I was nervous. I was like, damn, there's a lot of people here. You know, that's crazy. But, um, no, like in, uh, I think that day was super sunny too. It was super nice. And tag getting was already incredible. Like just an experience, you know, get all like, all these people out here, you know, it's, it's fun. And the football man, Ferris played insanely good. I was like, damn, yeah. like, <laughs> this makes, actually makes so much fun. So I'm from there on, you know, just almost every game we just went tailgating. It's just so much fun, you know, to be with all these other student athletes. I mean, hockey is there all the time too, you know, basketball, like, you know, it's like you're all together in this. I think it's great. Absolutely. And kind of speaking of those athletics as a whole, I know you've kind of uh, introduced yourself into a little bit of a new role this fall. Some people might have seen you around, obviously, with the open mic, but game entertainment. What was the original idea of like, man, I want to try this? Uh, so uh, with Steve coming in, you know, I sent an email to uh, Sarah Higley. I was like, hey, listen, I'm trying to find an internship uh, on campus. I think Ferris Athletics is a, it's a good spot for me. It was like, oh, yeah, we got an opening there. We, we're going to talk to Steve and see what's going to happen. He was like, hey, man, like, uh, you and Lydia, we're gonna we're gonna work on like finding a student fan engagement club eventually. But but we want just we want more students to be engaged during the game. You know, like it's just it seems kind of boring. You know, like if you look at the hockey games, for example, like yes, in the period times, there's just is. nothing going on. You just watch some bony, you know, on the ice, but that's about it. And it's like you know, just something else. Like give it something else out there. You know, and just like getting more engaged. You know, asking them questions, making games. Like it's just to make it more fun for them. You know, it's like hey, I enjoy this actually. I want to come back next week. Maybe I get the chance to you know, answer some questions. Yeah. I mean, we have so many devoted fans on campus, but we just don't see as many seats filled when it comes to game days. So, I mean, fan engagement club, I mean, that's, that's what we need right there. So that's great that that's getting started. Yeah, absolutely. And the team's getting off to a pretty solid start already, even before Gleax play started. I mean, talk now you got Wayne State coming up Friday. I mean, what's the, what's the talks now, especially with the, the team getting ready for it? Uh, obviously big game. I think it's the biggest game for us really like, like mental wise. Like, I mean, obviously all these other, um, conference matches are just as important as this one, but this is incredibly more important. Uh, you know, it's always been us and Wayne the last two or three years. It's always been the talks who's going to win this year. Uh, you know, uh, myself and me, we beat them, you know, last year they beat us and then they went to the nationals, um, and lost in the finest balls. So they're a great team, you know, and it's like, yeah, like. Hey, we have the potential to be there. Uh, we're all excited. I mean, I feel all of us have been putting work in uh, for for just this, for just this season, for for this work. We want to win this match. Like we go in there, and it's like, hey, we're gonna win this no matter what. Mm -hmm. You really set the tone for this season, especially starting off with a win against a really good team. Yeah, yeah, we had a really good matches. Um, you know, uh, it's it's. Uh, I think just you know from how we practice and all that, it's just seriousness and like 
everybody puts in the effort. I think there's just so much potential. We have a especially young team, you know, like three of our student, uh, our last team members uh, graduated. Now we have three freshmen in there and they do an absolutely great job in pushing all of us. So it's, it's a great experience really. Like, you know, having that young of a team, like it, it, it's definitely motivating and uh, yeah, it's fun. We're going to take a quick break. It's going to be more from Yannick after this. Are you a Ferris Day student interested in getting into audio production, music, podcasting, or even DJing? Bulldog Radio could be the place for you with plenty of opportunities and hands-on experience within not only these realms, but the marketing and social media opportunities outside. Join us to have your voice heard. No other place than Bulldog Radio. Absolutely. And you guys are coming back from Florida, of course, over spring break. A lot of big games over there from what we saw. I mean, two teams in the top 20, you really took them down to the wire, both with Rollins and St. Leo. Just talk about that experience playing against some of these elite caliber teams now, especially taking that experience. And now as you're going to GLIAC conference play, obviously the big games get even more bigger and you can apply that experience. Exactly. I mean, uh, you know, the reason why we go down to Florida is we want to play those better teams. You know, we want to compete. We want to see, hey, where are we, you know? as a close matches, you know, are we there where we want to be? It's a, it, it gives you time to reflect on some things, you know, like, hey, I want to work on that, you know, like, for example, um, let's say, you know, like some of the matches were super close, but they were just more aggressive, like, okay, maybe we should work on either be more, you know, defensive better, or maybe we should set the tone first. So like, there's a lot of things that go in there, but uh, it was great matches overall. Like it was tight. Like you, like if you would just watch the matches from the outside, you would just not think like, hey, like we're losing, you know. It's crazy. Yeah, absolutely. I think one thing too um, with tennis that I know I've noticed is there's a little bit of superstition involved. I know you guys obviously carry a lot of snacks because I think not a lot of people realize tennis matches, you're there from 10 a.m. through 4 p.m. It is a long duration of competition. What's the fuel of choice for you guys especially? And what's some of the weirdest ones that you've seen maybe? Uh, that's Oof. a great question. I mean, it depends. Um, like some, like you mean superstitions now or foods? Maybe even both. Whichever one. Uh, I feel like majority of us, uh, we always have a Gatorade ready. You know, we like just like during the match, like eventually you will find you're going to be a little bit, you know, tired. You, you need some sugar or the banana, you know. Uh, for me, it's I'm very sacred on uh, drinking water and lemon water. It's oh, just okay. my mindset for the last uh, 10, 12 years. My my parents told me that and taught me that. It's like it's it's just for my men. It's just for me mentally because um, lemon water is really good for you. So you don't get as sore or cramping, you know, as maybe if you don't do it, but yeah, it's, we have some, yeah, it's just for me superstition, like lemon water. Everybody knows that they're like, oh, you're doing lemon water right now. Great. Like, <laughs> want to. So yeah, you know, just passing it on to one of our freshmen too. He likes it actually too. Oh, so they're kind of passing it on. Pass oh, yeah. the time. Yeah, pass the torch a little bit. There yeah. you go. Yeah. Yeah, like clockwork. And going back to kind of like that Florida trip, was there a big difference for you guys to be able to go from, I mean, because here you're playing indoors in the racket center most of the time. Is there a big difference like transitioning to outside and playing in those different kind of environments? Absolutely. I mean, it's not easy when you come from a snowy, cold weather with no wind and all of a sudden it's hot, you know, it's, it's humid and there's so much wind going on. But I think what helped us this, uh, this year is, um, you know, just, we just took it very serious from the beginning on when we, we, we arrived, they were like, okay, we're going to practice now two hours. We're going to practice tomorrow twice. And then we practice one more time and then we have our matches. So we really tried to focus on that already right away. Like it's so important to get as ready as possible, as soon as possible, because like, you don't want to, you don't want to sleep, you know, during the first matches, like obviously it's, it's hard to transition from indoors to outdoors within two days, but you just got to make the best out of it and stay positive, mm -hmm. you know, see if you can find something that helps you to just get better into those matches. Absolutely. And especially when it comes to preparation, I'm sure you guys probably hours, countless hours of different meticulous overall techniques and movements, especially not only in singles play by yourself, but then doubles play where you got two components on each side. Uh, what are some of those things that I know like you've been working on specifically as well as the team wants to improve on, especially going into the postseason later on? Uh, I think one of the great that my coach would probably say is volleys. Yeah. I'm terrible at it. Uh, I'm just terrible <laughs> at the net. I got better, but uh, compared to four years, it would be like, wow, like this guy plays Davos. Like, that's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> it's fun, you know? Um, yeah. Um, I think just overall, I think what we worked on is we just staying aggressive, um, you know, setting the tone against our opponents. That's a big thing. Um, staying ready, being aggressive on top of the net, just dominating. That's our thing. It's our goal. Because if you just sit back and, you know, kind of wait it out, like you lose it. It's mm -hmm. like the first two, three games are the most important games in doubles, especially because it's the beginning of the whole match, you know, doubles decides whether or not it's going to be 1-0 or 0-1. So it's, you know, it's a pretty big, important point. Yeah, sets the tone right from the get-go. 
Yeah, especially with you and Eric being on that double side, is there, I mean, switching especially between doubles and singles right after, I mean, what's kind of that prep to be able to kind of work together and then especially switching right back to get right after in singles? I mean, what's that kind of prep difference kind of like? Um, there's not much of a difference, you know. I mean, it's kind of hard because some of the matches, like, it could possibly be like, you know, let's say one and two have longer matches in doubles. We're already done. We're kind of waiting it out. We got to, you know, we got to be ready. Uh, it's just tough. You sit out there, you kind of wait and you got to keep yourself like warm, be ready, you know. Um, obviously, like after double spawn, we always come together, you know, say a few things like, hey, let's get ready. Let's get started. It's, it's you know, from the, from the first point on, put the foot on the gas pedal and, you know, get this going uh, because it's, it's so hard. Like, I mean, obviously you can win the first point, but that doesn't mean anything. Like, I mean, for example, last, uh, last week we played Grace University. Mm-hmm. Uh, we won the first, uh, we won the doubles point, but you know, like the last two, three matches we had against other universities is like kind of slowed down after the doubles point, you know? So you really got to find a way for yourself to keep yourself in that space. Like, okay, we won the doubles point. Now I got to put one more, you know, one, like one more percent on there or like 10% more on it. I gave hundred percent of doubles and I'll give 110 in singles. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And it- more. When it comes especially to uh, tennis, I know especially like many people out there probably would say that they would portray their game after some player necessarily, you know, Nadal, Federer, all the, you know, who's the guy that you would look up to and say, you know what, this guy plays like I like to play. And yeah, this is a guy that I like to emulate here at this level. Uh, I enjoyed watching a lot uh, Del Patro, the Argentinian tennis player. Okay. Uh, I think I'm, I think I'm pretty similar in his style. I mean, I'm very on top of the net. I have a great big serve, big forehand. I have a very solid backhand, so I say I'm I'm pretty similar to him. You know, um, Eric is incredibly like defense-wise, incredibly good tennis player. I mean, I can't I, if there's a player, I would probably say he's maybe like you know like similar to like Djokovic from the play style here. I mean, obviously not you mm-hmm. know Djokovic himself, but he's up there. Um, and yeah, like it's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Yannick, last question for you. We thank you so much for the time that you spent with us. Uh, what's been your favorite thing about being a Fair State Bulldog and being here in Big Rapids? Um, I think definitely like connection with all the students, um, just like how warm everybody is, how welcoming everybody is, just like the mentality, you know, we bring, uh, it's Ferris pride, you know, like everybody's pride to be a bulldog and um, you can see it in every sport, you know, whether I watch basketball or hockey or football, like we have just, we have that fight in us. And I think that's one of the things I'm really proud of saying like, hey, I'm a bulldog. I'm someone like, you know, we beat them no matter what. Absolutely. Yannick, thank you so much for joining us and good luck on Saturday. Thank you. Big thanks to Yannick for stopping by the show. Glad to have all these athletes and Ferris Athletic faces joining us on the show. I do have to admit, Joe, I made a mistake. What's up? I just realized when I did that conclusion of the interview, I said Saturday. It's Friday. Friday. Friday the games are on Friday. I am yes. so sorry in case I threw anybody in a loop. It is Friday. 10 a.m. is the start. And boy, it is an absolutely great match. You're going to want to make over to the Racket Center so you can tune in that one. Hey, I heard rumor you might see Joe Nagy there. Well, I'll be there for a little bit. Snap. So I'll be trying to make an appearance, but I know I have some other obligations I got to get through first. But either way. Good luck to tennis as well as the other teams that will be in action this weekend. Of course, many of them coming off of competition this last week here as we get into the Ferris State Sports Report, Uh, especially yesterday, softball in action Wednesday, first home game since... Uh, over a year. I mean, that's we're really? certainly, certainly something from last year. So, uh, I mean, certainly great to get them back on their home turf, literally with the new turf field. Uh, not the results they wanted. Obviously, a team they've beaten before in Northwood. Uh, Northwood, unfortunately, getting the sweep over the Bulldogs with some dominant offense. Uh, but, I mean, overall, I mean, I really like to see... Um, I really liked seeing that aggression on the base pads. I mean, being able to get, steal some bags was definitely a high point. This team certainly has showed that as the leader uh, in the conference total when it comes to stealing bases. But uh, I mean, the offense in the second game, it came alive, but unfortunately, high, but also for Northwood, Northwood did the same. So yeah. that's the unfortunate thing. They clawed their way back. I mean, you look at the box score and obviously you see the 1810 score line. I mean, this was a game where we were down at the one point in this game. Uh, I'm checking back on the numbers just to make sure. Yeah, it was nine to three at one point in the fourth. 
And we rattle off seven runs in the bottom of the fourth frame. And unfortunately, their offense, Northwoods, the meaning they picked it right back up and they scored nine unanswered. And that's what unfortunately uh, got them the victory. Um, but I think overall, I think you're seeing um, I think you're seeing improvements when it comes to uh, uh, overall the aggressiveness on the Bates pads, I think is definitely something. Uh, pitching is showing some potential for sure. Uh, I mean, obviously the depth is uh, one of the hardest parts when it comes to seeing a lot of these great teams where you have so many different arms. I mean, we had to reuse uh, a couple pitchers in both of those games. So that's definitely a little bit tougher to go through. Uh, mentally as a team necessarily. But uh, I think when you watch this game, I mean, you saw the specs and you saw uh, a lot of that potential. Uh, Northwood is just a very good caliber team. And just like us, I mean, they're a team that can absolutely turn it up and put some crooked numbers on you in the score sheet. Because really, I mean, we held Northwood to four scoreless innings. It was just the other three that really caught us in the loop. And our offense was a little sluggish uh, in that first game. We started to light the fire in the second. Unfortunately, they were a little too warmed up in that one. So uh, unfortunately, 10 and 18 now on the year. Uh, but I think there's still a lot of potential as we were placing a couple good teams that we know that we can play well against, especially this upcoming weekend. Uh, Wayne State is the team I think we know we can beat. Uh, and Saginaw is going to be a really good test yeah. as well. They're a really good ball club, and I think they're in the top two, top three in the GLIAC preseason polls. So uh, that's definitely going to be a really good test for this team, and especially coming off of this game. I mean, just being able to get back home, obviously, uh, is definitely a little bit of a game changer. They've been on the, on the road for basically a month now, so being able to just play at home is definitely a different experience against a good team, but uh, I think there's still a lot of good positivities. I mean, obviously the biggest one, the offense just came to life a little bit too late in that doubleheader. Yeah, the one problem though is like, the thing is when we get on the offensive side, we don't have as like much of a lethal hitting as lethal hitting as we did last year, especially with Paige, with Allie and a lot of people who could really do some damage with a lot of those extra base hits. We're dealing with a lot of singles, a few doubles and Honestly, pretty rarely over the fence and triples and stuff like that. So when you get a chance, when you get runners on base and when you're putting the ball in play on the ground or, you know, just singles and stuff like that, you want to make sure that you're getting more aggressive on the base pass and that's stealing a little bit more, trying to implement a hit and run where you kind of execute a little bit more. We did that, I think, two or three times. Uh, I think the first game, or we did that once the first game, and I know we did another time the second game, but each time we kind of swung out one a little bit high, and that was a pop-up, and then turned into a double play, and all that momentum of us being able to have a runner on base with no outs, all of a sudden it's a double play, and we're coming up, and then we're going to be having another scoreless inning. So that's one of the one things is just kind of making sure that when we get players on, we have a fast enough team one through nine, where we are able to just steal. There's nobody in the GLIAC, too, that can, that has a catcher that can throw somebody out all the time. If, if we're being honest, I mean, especially against Northwood, their catcher was kind of lacking a little bit with that. It was kind of more, it wasn't like the strongest throw down, but that's the one thing is, like you said, be a little bit more aggressive on the base pass because once that happens, you'll be fine. You'll be able to take the stress of the possibility of double play getting away because get a little bit more loose with being able to steal and then you're going to be absolutely fine. Yeah, I know there's a couple times too where Coach Schumann had a, a hit and runs drawn up and I think there was one or two instances where it actually mm -hmm. just worked out in the wrong favor where it was a line drive or a little pop-up flare to an infield or a double yeah, play right to somebody. Yeah, so that was an unfortunate error. But I mean, I mean, when you look at the speed, I mean, I just look back the last time that this team has not had uh, a stolen base in a ball game was all the way back on March 6th. That's over, uh, yeah, that's over two weeks ago and that was at the Sioux Falls game, um, but down there in Florida. So, uh, I mean, this team is fast. They can can get some they can get some steals and really get yourself in position but I do agree and I think that's something we saw from Northwood especially their power in the middle of the they order can swing, man. they can clean the bases very well and that's something that um, we can definitely improve on uh, but I mean the wind also was definitely a little bit uh, of a little bit of a factor in that game it was whipping around a little bit obviously here in late March so uh, that could have influenced it a little bit as well I never know um, I mean we were up in the press box kind of cold so um, we were still freezing it, it, yeah it was Pretty we much need to just get a space heat or something up in that press box because it is terrible. Yeah, you... my feet. I was wearing Crocs. Terrible decision. <laughs> I will say this, but like, dude, there's got to be some way to get that thing a little bit nicer. And Stephanie didn't order pizza. Oh, I, Stephanie. Food. I was starving. I had to go to class. I had to go to McDonald's before class. Oh, man. Tough looks. Joe needs his grub. That's all. I do. Fun. I'm a hungry guy, man. <laughs> anyway, we'll get to the rest of the sports after this quick break here on WBRN. The MBSP is proud to partner with the people of Eagle Village Incorporated. With over 50 years of experience helping on changing the lives of youth, 
there are opportunities for you to be the next to make a direct impact, including plenty of positions available, including summer staff, internships, and more. For more information, visit eaglevillage.org. Eagle Village, where potential soars. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. Uh, we're going to hop into some golf now. Got the FSU, GVSU, DU tri-match coming up. This one's going to be a lot of fun. It's one of the, f- I think it's the first time that they've ever done this, uh, which is going to be really sick. But also kind of going into it, I mean, it's going to be a pretty solid st- spot. They had a good weekend last week. And then I mean, hopping into this tri-match is going to be really cool. Yeah, definitely. A double header, certainly something uh, for the women's side, especially a little unique, um, getting back-to-back tournaments, two tournaments in four days. But uh, I mean, still saw some pretty good results overall. I mean, sixth place in a pretty pretty solid field. Uh, a couple of teams that we know very well, they were in there like Grand Valley. Yes, we beat them. So that's all that matters. Um, but I think there was definitely a lot of great uh, performances all, all around throughout um, the entirety of that tournament. I mean, you saw Elena Eldred uh, have a really good performance. I mean, Gravel definitely has brought a lot of uh, really good flair for the top of that card. Uh, and I think, I mean, especially Lizzie Anderson, and Cameron Shannon stepping up in a big route um, in that tournament as well really helped us against some pretty good competition. I mean, Tiffin's a really good uh, overall team. Finley's a pretty good team as well. Um, so definitely saw some great performances on the women's side, especially in both of those tournaments. And I mean, on the men as well, um, definitely seeing some good things from them as of recently. I mean, the, uh, at the Spring Invitational, we're uh, doing really well. I mean, I think you saw, uh, especially, I know we talk really a lot about how this team improves. Um, over the course of a round. And I think that just really... You never say that enough for how well they do that. Um, just really finishing out some of those rounds in a little bit bigger spot. I mean, that's especially because we shot a round that was pretty much top 10 caliber uh, for the men's in that second round. It's just that first round got off to a little bit of a sluggish start, and that's what kind of uh, pushed us down the leaderboard a little bit because we know we can compete um, with some of these other teams like Davenport, like Saginaw, and Wayne State. Uh, just certainly wasn't necessarily our day in that tournament overall. Obviously, some new guys got in there. Um, and got in some swings, and I'm sure the weather wasn't pretty over that weekend. I know it certainly wasn't in Big Rapids, so um, that can definitely play a factor, but uh, I think you still saw some pretty good performances and obviously looking to shake the rust off and looking to have a better round this upcoming weekend. And like you said, with the weather, like that's the tough part about, gee, my chair won't scoot up. It's caught on the carpet all of a sudden. Yeah. What you said about the weather and stuff, that's not like, that's a tough part, especially like when you go down south, especially like to start off the season, then you come back here, Michigan golf right now between March and honestly early May, terrible. Yeah. Buns. Booty meat is what it is. <laughs> it's terrible. And so you get to this point now where like you're gonna be playing against a lot of these other teams. Yeah, they have the same exact stuff they gotta deal with, but you're still gotta play in, you know, rain, sometimes 30 in the high 30s, low 40s. That's tough. Your hands can get really cold. You gotta be able to play, you gotta be able to like really be able to battle the elements as well as battle the game of golf, which is arguably the toughest mental sport out of everything. And then you just got to make sure, especially when you get cold a little bit tight, your mechanics can get thrown way off. So honestly, when you're able to win one of these, like Davenport was able to do, and if you're able to do good, then that's a very impressive thing. But you can't really knock this finish because, I mean, it was a it was a tough situation. It was tough weather conditions and everything like that. So that's kind of the one big thing you got to recognize is everything gets thrown off when it's cold out yeah. in golf. And it's... You can't even hit, like, even if you get a solid strike on the ball, it's going to feel like you hit it way off center. Your hand's going to be rattling. It's not going to be good. Yeah, especially for a course like uh, Kearney Hill was. I mean, it's 7,000 yards. It's generally a much longer course mm-hmm. than a lot of these other courses they might Ball's play. not flying the same speed or anything like that. Yeah, and especially more time in the air, too, for elements to obviously mm-hmm. wreak havoc uh, on your ball flight, which is something that, of course, I mean, I just, it's amazing. Everything's going to be a little bit more firm, a little bit more, like, fairway's going to be a lot more soft because it's all rainy and wet it's just getting over the the snow it might be a little bit harder on the greens because it's been you know cold and it's going to be frozen a little bit so you might hit a spot on the same hole where it's going to be real soft where you're swinging and then you might land in a spot on the green and have a good shot but it might roll off because of how bad the greens are playing yeah absolutely and i think especially when you see um like i I feel like the biggest thing to me is like when they're good teams are able to adapt to that. And I mean, when you watch the pros and I'm watching, you're watching them in a monsoon, just absolutely sticking it and still 20 feet from the pin, you're like, 
It's what? Wild. I'm hoping to get it on the fringe so I can get a good chip from there. Maybe even outside for a little like shorter chip shot or maybe even a wedge in. But uh, I mean, conditions are a big factor. So a uh, little bit of a learning experience. Obviously, now you're going to apply it in the biggest, really one of the bigger. Uh, I, I wouldn't necessarily say it's the biggest tournament of the year, but I mean, Davenport and GV, that's that's a really like personable competition. Like that's a pretty much a grudge match of what we saw in the GLIAC the last couple of years. Davenport was at the top of last year. Obviously, us and GV had our run-ins a couple of years ago for the GLIAC tournament chip. Um, so I think it's going to be fun to see those three teams sling it out. Obviously, top really the top three teams probably in the in the GLIAC pre-rankings is if I was if I was the ranking committee. Uh, obviously, I'm a little more biased, but uh, I think it's definitely going to be fun to see how this team plays. And I think just hopefully we get some nice weather so we can see truly how low these guys can score. Because, I mean, once you get into late, parts of April and May when it's go time. I mean, it's going to be, it's going to be full swing away. It's going to be, it's going to be nice brand right there. Yeah. You're going to have to play your best golf that day. Mm, absolutely. And it's going to be interesting, especially like you said, with the GVSU DU and as, as well, try match, that's going to be a solid bearing, I think, for how much we have to improve uh, in these next couple of weeks before GLIAC start up. They'll start up late or mid April, actually, excuse me. So that's going to be an interesting one. And I'm very excited to see how they're able to play there. And hopefully, like you said, Brandon, Weather clears up some because playing golf in the rain and the cold is not fun at all. Absolutely. Finishing out the report slash preview, uh, Wayne State in town for tennis. We can't say it enough. This is a big one. Wayne State, uh, as of the rankings that we looked up just this last week here, or not last week, or I should say more like yesterday on Wednesday, is recording this on Thursday. Uh, and which, by the way, if you guys saw the Wild Stat Wednesday, appreciate you all. I mean, that was that was cool. I mean, when I found that out, I was like, dang, we should probably put that on there uh, for how well this team and the consistency has been phenomenal for Coach Doran's squad. But Wayne State comes in as the 10th best team uh, in all of Division Two nationally. We're 22nd. So the fact of the matter is, I mean, that men's matchup by itself uh, is going to be high energy, just completely uh, everything you're going to sign up for watching that. It's going to be phenomenal. And I mean, you look at the women's as well, Wayne State, ninth in the country on the women's side, and we're a top 50 team. So, I mean, it's going to be as it's going to be an electric, hard fought championship caliber type match on Friday. And I think that when you see that, uh, especially now, as you kind of look forward to this GLIAC slate, I mean, this doesn't feel like it. It's not technically the championship, but it kind of feels like a mid season championship. I, I know it's going to be one where, like I, like I said, this is going to kind of be a preview of how this is going to go for the rest of the season. You're these Austin Wayne States, perennially the favorites to be able to win the GLIACs, especially for the men's side uh, for these past couple of years. I mean, we've taken it, I think it was two years ago. They won it last year. Obviously, Wayne State coming off a huge run, four seed, almost making it almost making it to be the national championship. They're just missing in the, in the, in the uh, final there. But you have a situation where, hey, you might see them later on the season. This is going to be a solid test because they've had a lot of games under their belt. They're going to be really ready for it. But... You know, you don't want to take a slouch. And like Yannick said in the interview, they're ready. They're going to be able to come out high energy. They're going to want to have the foot on the gas and be in the driver's seat the whole way through. Because if you don't start out hot against these two teams, especially on the both men's and women's side, they're going to be able to run away with it fast. And that's going to start out with doubles and then keep that going through singles. Absolutely. Wayne State uh, on the men's side with two top 40 singles players. But we got a pretty darn good doubles pairing in Ben and Jan as well um, that can counterattack their best number one on the double side. And right, just like Yannick said, I mean, it's going to be from the opening serve, right? I mean, you look up there. Cedric Drenth has been a phenomenal player this year. He's going to lead the Warriors squad. Daniel Gray, both of those guys, number three in doubles pairings in, in the ITA rankings nationally. And obviously, uh, Ben and Jan are coming off of really good. Uh, overall games last week against uh, Grayson. I mean, the whole team did. I mean, especially the 5-2 win on the men's side as well um, as the women's playing very well. I think it's going to be one of those situations where um, you're going to see now how this team in and of course, its whole combination, um, its whole construction is going to be made to take on these teams, right? Because obviously, uh, I think it would be pretty much uh, fair to say we have one of the deeper teams in the GLIAC. I think that's something that has really helped us um, over the last couple of years being GLIAC title contention is one through five. I mean, it's it can be interchangeable some days in those matchups. Uh, you can be flexible. And that's something that I think a lot of people, uh, especially I think at the high school level, this gets kind of put on to 
much of like uh, the number one's going to be playing the number one. They're not looking at who they're playing. It's just going to be the next best player. But in reality, it's like, no, it's matchups are so key when it comes to who's going to be playing against who each given day. And I think that's something that will really be interesting to see how these pairings come up against a really good team like Wayne State here on Friday. Yeah, that's going to be an incredible, incredible one to go watch out for. I'll be there. Brandon, you might be watching uh, on Flow if that gets going. And then especially, hey, if you really want to do some, men start at 10 a.m., women's take over at 1.30. It's going to be solid. It's going to be a good day of tennis. Going to be a great day of tennis. Finishing out the show here, the last two minutes here on the radio version, which, by the way, you can follow on Spotify to check out the rest of the show if you haven't already. Uh, March Madness craziness. We're down into the Sweet 16. It'll be starting tonight as we record. real deal, baby. It'll be the Elite Eight if you're listening to this live on WBRN here this evening. Um, a lot of notable names still left, obviously. Alabama, Houston, probably the number two, um, or the top two, I should say, uh, most voted upon champions in March Madness altogether. Um, but I think the the biggest one that we were looking at is, hey, how about the Tigers, man? I know we talked about it on the last show. I literally played the clip for my buddies when we were watching after that game had went final of, man, that was the game I was worried about. It made too much sense. And of course, it comes back to bite in the butt that the Tigers make it to the Sweet 16. They'll take on Creighton, obviously, Alabama, San Diego State, probably what we kind of expected as well as Houston, Miami, uh, Xavier and Texas, both chalk there. Um, and then really outside of that, I mean, pretty chalk in the other regions as well. How about Arkansas knocking off Kansas? I'm glad that one went correctly. But Purdue out in the first round, FDU, fairly Dickinson knocking off Purdue for the number two all time. Isn't that over wild one. that we went, what was it, like 100 some odd years? Or not 100 because obviously basketball hasn't been 100 years old. But what was it, like 40, 50 tournaments and we never had a number one upset? And then we have Virginia and then what was it, five years later we get another Not one? even. Yeah, that's insane. It's crazy how like quickly that switched over a little bit. I mean, the this kind of off topic, but I mean, I, when that went down, a lot of people were saying with this NIL stuff, we might be seeing that a lot more where just out of the blue, you might see a fifth, you might see a lot more 15 upsets. You might see a lot more 16 upsets coming up. I think it's a really interesting point. Cause I think now there's a lot of players that are willing to take more money at smaller schools than necessarily yeah. bigger name schools, especially like if they're trying to, you know, get out of a situation or whatever, or they just want to be able to secure that money right away. Then the possibility of, Hey, I might get injured or something. And I don't want to have that go down where I can't make that money anymore. Yeah, absolutely. Kansas State, Michigan State, the lone Big Ten team still alive as well as FAU uh, and Tennessee in the Sweet 16. Uh, right now, I mean, the two teams I was looking out for going in are somehow still alive right now in Tennessee and UConn, both four seeds. Uh, and I think right now, Tennessee's got a really good matchup. UConn-Arkansas is going to be a heck of a ball game as well. Uh, it's Gonzaga-UCLA. Those are, I mean, just that whole quadrant over in that West bracket is just absolutely bonkers to me. Um, but at the end of the day, I mean, it's going to be really fun to see uh, some of these teams match up here. But based out of the Sweet 16, Joe, your final minute, what do you think are you going to pick for your champion out of these teams? Right well, now? Uh, my brackets are in shambles anyways. As it probably, every, so, probably as everyone of, else as is. As everybody's. Up. I don't think there's a single perfect bracket in the possibility. I think it was after this round. There's yeah, no, I don't think even the first round survived. Yeah, I think first round, everything got crapped on there basically um i think i'm gonna still stick with my final four and one of my brackets i have two of them that are out though i think it's gonna be um i don't know this is tough i think it's probably bama i've i feel like they're red hot right now they're gonna be able to make it in um you want final four or just sweet 16 you can pick final four sure final four yeah i'm gonna probably go with I'm liking Texas. I'm liking Alabama. I'm liking Houston. It's kind of the more chalk stuff, but I got a weird feeling that Michigan State's going to do some damage. I think they can make the Final Four. Ooh, okay. I think they could. I didn't think that they were going to even make it past. I thought they were going to lose in the round of 64, but Tom Izzo and his team, for some reason, can just always kill it they when it comes to Mars. They just know what to do, and they always do well. They just figure it out. Uh, I agree with you in Alabama. I think their skill and fundamentals are better than anybody. They're yeah, um, locked up. Yeah, Houston, Texas could be an 
absolutely phenomenal uh, Elite Eight matchup. I still am going to root for the Cougars as they were the team I originally picked to cut down the nets, so I'm going to stick with them. Um, right now, I think I'm looking, I mean, it just, just for fans' sake, I want my teams in there, the four seeds, Tennessee and UConn, to make it, but I think that you're going to see a really interesting matchup of potentially USC and UConn. I think that's going to be a really fun matchup, mm-hmm. but I think you can agree that Michigan State might be facing Tennessee in the next round, or maybe in Florida Atlantic, because that one makes no sense, and that's what happened in Princeton Zona, so we never know. So uh, it's going to be a fun weekend of March Madness. Hope you guys are tuning in and enjoying it. Thank you all for tuning in here on WBRN. You can check out the final minutes of the show over on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you find this show. But Joe, another great one, my friend. Finishing out the program here on our podcast platforms, WBC happened just a couple of days ago, and boy, it was an electric factory of viewership. Over 5 million people in the U.S. apparently watched this game. I know my house had it tuned in. Joe's, I know yours was as well. Uh, Certainly was a pretty thrilling game. I mean, absolutely storybook final frame that you could have probably pictured and at the end of the day it was one over two and that's really what you kind of can expect in that situation fortunately it was dude that this world baseball classic i think has been the most entertaining baseball games that i've ever watched even better than like even better than the dot or than the astros dodgers world series like four or five years ago even better than the world baseball classic last or the last world baseball classic this one has just been absolutely wild from start to finish. Each game has just been sold out. The crowds have been electric. The announcers have been top tier. And the thing is, is especially with this World Baseball Classic, to see the ending that we did with Shohei and Trout for arguably the biggest games of their career at the moment because they'll never do anything bigger than that with the Angels. That's for darn sure. I can tell you that. Yep. When you look at where this tournament is and all these people that are hating on it saying, oh, it's just glorified spring training. Oh, it's stupid. Players getting injured. Like, this is like, it's a glorified exhibition game. Have you not watched it? Nope. If you watch one inning of this, every single strikeout, every single ball, every single hit, every single out has a huge reaction. And each of these players, if you ask them, they've said it. And it's every single person, every single person on Team USA has said it. Almost every single player that's played in this event has said this is the most fun they've had playing baseball. And there's so many situations where they're saying, oh, these guys aren't going to try this, that, and the other thing. If you just watch one game, you can see that guys are diving for balls. Mike Trout in the championship stretched a single into a double. You want to see that in just a regular game where playoffs aren't even in the possibilities for them later on. This game meant something. This whole tournament meant something for all these players. This World Baseball Classic has got to be arguably top three moments in all of baseball just this whole thing guaranteed yeah i mean it definitely i think overshot expectations especially for i mean when you looked at how that game really kind of transgressed i mean obviously japan got really kind of on top and they kind of held it the whole way um and i mean especially down the stretch you got to see um the statistics of kind of the differences of teams uh i think was really kind of on display because i think when you looked at really how this game kind of was. I mean, both teams started to kind of realize like, yeah, I mean, especially for the respect that they had for each batter. I mean, they're pulling pitchers an inning or two early compared to what you'd see uh, in some of the other WBC games. I mean, this game meant everything to both clubs. And I think that's what really made it that well. Uh, Cause I think you literally saw, uh, I mean, obviously I think there was a little bit too much blown up on Shohei. Uh, I'm don't, not disrespecting Shohei at all. I think he's the number one player in the world, but I mean, when you're talking about it, when the Americans are up at the dish and he's still not pitching, I mean, that's just ridiculous. Like you we got, need to calm down a little bit, though, but you got to give it though to, uh, um, Japan's pitching staff, though. It was, they were good. They were insane. They were good. They were wild, especially was it the 21 year old? Um, they're like 21 year old uh, pitcher that was like, he's been a sensation in Japan's pro league. I forget his name. It's like Shoge. It's not, it's like her show, Shote or something like that. I forget. It's literally so close to Shohei, but it's not. I forget what his name is. Yeah. I'm trying to think of who um, you're, you're talking he about. Was, he was dealing. He faced Mike Trout, struck him out, buckled him on a on a curveball. He was facing Mookie Betts, Nolan Arenado, all these 
incredible hitters that have won silver sluggers in the MLB and arguably are one of the, like the best hitters in the game right now for him to be able to do that. Like it just showed that Japan's talent this year, even with how, I mean, I guess like the, the MLB, yeah, is on top of uh, Japan's pro league, but how close that those two are in, um, in relation to each other with how good these players are. It's just wild because like, for me, it's just like you think of the MLB and you say, okay, you take, the average MLB player versus, I guess you can say the average of that, but like you look at a team full with Japan who has all those people, it's like they're incredible to be able to play against. And that was just wild to me. It's just like the world, like the world, especially on like the East side, like with Japan and China and Taiwan and stuff like that, they're not too far behind the U.S. when it comes to talent. I mean, Japan is right there with them. Yeah, Japan is really a talented team and you could see that, uh, no question from really how they they played the entirety of that tournament. I mean, there were a team that I think when you looked at Pool B, you were like, yep, they're probably going to be the team that made it out. But I mean, for the dominance that they put on display, you were like, oh, they are going to be a force to reckon with. And I mean, for them, they just really kind of controlled the tempo uh, of their own right, journey through that bracket. And I mean, through Pool B and beyond, it was just dominance from them and nobody could really stop them uh, for how well they played. And I mean, they played in quite a few like close. I mean, Mexico was a little bit of a scare. I mean, it was six, five in that semifinal uh, after them, after they took care of Italy to reach that point uh, where the U S was in dominant fashion. And then they kind of got to that close game once again. And there you have it right when you wanted to see those top two teams play each other. But Mm -hmm. I think it was, I think you would agree though, that Japan's pitching staff was reason they won that game. Shosei Togo. That's what it was. Yes. That's right. That's yeah. what it was. I was going, I would have gotten it if I went through the whole alphabet with that middle letter, but <laughs> yes. we got it. But yeah, I mean, you got you Darvish, Yoshinobu Yamamoto was really good. Oto was really good too. Udagawa was also very surprising with what he was able to do. That was just a wild thing. Yeah, I think this whole WBC was great. I know they already confirmed the 2026, um, the commissioner said already. Um, and I think it's going to be pretty much as expected as we saw this year. I think it's got to be that good. And I think especially for, um, it was a little surprising uh, seeing uh, how many TV viewers I think. I know it was going to be blown up, but I didn't think it was going to be that blown up for how like mm-hmm. the Olympics is kind of drawn down a little bit. I mean, this is kind of the Olympics of baseball, basically. Yeah. Um, but I think it's a fantastic event. And I think I think I agree with you that. If anybody thought this was boring or anything of that nature, obviously they don't appreciate baseball. And it's unfortunate because it was uh, great. They were saying, or I was talking to my roommates and uh, my roommate Ryan had a really good idea that I think they should implement is you take the World Series winner and you take Japan's like World Series winner or whatever it is, like their championship winner and like Cuba's team that like their Super League or whatever, or their Super or Major League down there. Like you do like a big tournament with all them each year to actually prove like who is the world champion type deal, which would be really cool. But that's what I was thinking. Yeah. I mean, that's interesting. But I don't know the logistics of it because you have to get them all in one spot. And right. I don't know how many, but like you probably take, I mean, I feel like major league is, one, is like one, like top. I feel like Japan's league is probably two because of how good of players are and let me, Probably. I, yeah. I forget how many they had a, a graphic in there that said how many players were from each country. Remember, Japan was like three or four. Yeah. With how many they produced. But I feel like you could see some pretty solid game. I feel like the world or the major league baseball would probably still take it with however many or whoever wins it. But I still feel like it'd be a very interesting, uh, interesting concept. Yeah. I think that they should look into. Yeah. That could be something they could definitely look into. Cause I think that I think you can start to see now that international exposure of competition is starting to really ramp up with the implement of the WBC and especially, and I think like a lot of people that were talking like this is superior to baseball. I don't, I don't appreciate hearing those things. Cause I mean, it's like, especially with uh, Edwin Diaz going down with his leg injury, obviously after they got their victory, uh, some people are saying, why was he even suiting up? The major league baseball season is coming up. This is pretty much a spring tournament thing. And it's like, okay, would you say that to somebody that trained their whole life to represent their country in this event, especially an Olympic caliber event, and, and tell them they shouldn't have did it because they wanted to watch them on their television play in a game that's going to be a 162-game season? And I, I like you have all of this time ahead of you. You're not going to be able to play this every year. I mean, obviously, there's some guys that are that good, Mike Trout, Shohei Otani, that'll probably play it multiple times, but... 
I, I just think that's a little arrogant on part of the fans. And I think that you should appreciate that they are supporting their country in the fullest. And I think that it should be a fun event that should be encouraged by everybody. Cause this is cool and it's different and you got to see the elevated play. And I thought this was honestly just as better as the world series. And even social media proved that the WBC coverage, especially after on that championship game on social media was almost five times as large as after that world series win. I mean, I'm yeah. not, I, that's, I'll just leave the data as it is. Don't, no analysis needed there. Data doesn't lie. Numbers don't lie. And that's certainly the case here that this thing is bumping now. I just get so annoyed with like every, like every single person that like has a problem with world baseball classic saying like, Oh, I don't even know why they're doing it. Baseball on a world stage is not as widely regarded as every other sport like basketball, like soccer, like all those other sports. If you have a chance to represent the country that you were born in or a country that like, I mean, especially like Lars Newbar, how he played for Japan or like. For our, Great name, by the way. Yeah, Lars Newbar. Salt and pepper celebration was really cool too. But like you have situations like that where you can represent a country. The World Baseball Classic is it. Not every single Olympics is going to have baseball. Mm-hmm. That's just for certain. It's fact. And the way the Olympics is kind of trending, they're more kind of moving it to where it's not going to be professional athletes playing in it. Mm-hmm. They've kind of been flirting with that idea. I mean, it's Winter Olympics. That's what they did with the NHL for one year. They did that with basketball. They did that with hockey again. Uh, what was it last time in Bay or where was it, where was the last uh, Winter Olympics? Yeah, uh, like Beijing or something. I can't remember, but I know they're flirting with maybe not having baseball in it uh, after uh, this next one or the one after it. Yeah, I think. I mean, this is it. This is literally the, this. Is it. If you want to represent your country on the world stage for this whole thing for this reason then like why not just do it and it is annoying when fans are saying now nah, they shouldn't do that because they have an mlb season to play for this is arguably bigger than the world series. this is the world series yeah this is the whole thing this is to prove which country's better and if you i feel like if i was in that situation if you have a sliver of competitive nature in you which every one of these guys does and you have a chance to play for that team go for it why not yeah, I'm going to infuriate some people on this basic this this basic statement of the World Series is a national championship. The WBC is an international championship. It's one country versus every single country in the world. I mean, how do I mean obviously not everybody's going to make it for that example, but I mean, this is pretty much as good as you're going to get. When it comes to the, I mean, you have so many of these prime countries for baseball and you're putting them all together on a stage at the same time in this event. And it's in the the worst part about it is it's so quick. Like it's already over. And we were just talking about a couple of weeks ago as we were starting up and we're like, man, it's already gone. I wish it was longer, but I mean, now we got 162 game MLB season. And I mean, that's, that's what we look forward to, but it's going to be hard to top what we saw this. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's going to be hard to top what we saw this year. I mean, this three was more years, man, three more years. And we're back at it. That's for sure. We can't wait for the next one. I'm sure many of you can as well, but thank you so much for tuning in y'all. We got to get out of here. Big thanks to Bulldog Radio as well as Ferris State ISI and me before the collaboration in the studio. Got the great digs in here at the mood lighting here in the studio. Can't wait to keep it going. Thanks to Yannick for stopping by the show and thanks to all of you for supporting this show and making it possible. But until next time, take care everybody.